0: Hey, Rom criminals, thanks for tuning in. If you wouldn't mind, and if you haven't already, could you please rate, review, and subscribe? And the first five people who write reviews, we're going to shout you out on the next podcast or the next two podcasts if it takes that long to get five people to go for this. Mm
1: I'm Vanya, everybody. I'm the Rom.
0: I love you, Vanya. And I'm Avrin, <laughs> and I am the crime. And this is Rom Crime. This is a true crime comedy podcast that has...
1: Romantic backstreet alley abortions. <laughs> That's not romantic.
0: It's so Aver- dirty dancing. What are you talking about? They <laughs> had her on a table with a dirty knife, man. She was screaming the whole time.
1: They locked the door. I couldn't get her out of there.
0: <laughs> Poor Penny.
1: I know. Dirty Dancing, everybody. It's one of my favorite movies. It's just it because I saw classic. it so young. And like, Me too. It's such formidable years where I'm just like, oh my God, what?
0: I 100% believe I had no idea that abortion was a part of that story, probably the first 17 times I watched it, because that's how young I was.
1: Well, yeah, I didn't know either, but I knew something was wrong when they find her in the kitchen and she's like, right, you know.
0: But I don't think I was like... I was young enough that I didn't really... like. The, concept of abortion was beyond my young mind's understanding. I knew something bad happened to her. Go to bed. Love it so much asms screaming.
1: Um so for all those listeners out there I just we just cut real quick cuz my daughter snuck in but I let her watch Goosebumps and I know she's a little young but now she's having nightmares and we may be this might may be broken up a couple times. Oh well. We're here. It's um week eight or nine in the quarantine and we're doing our thing
0: we are indeed are we not what is it it's may 4th yeah so, so it's, you know insert star wars joke there yeah. may the fourth be with us be, i was trying that just gave me a list may the fourth <laughs> be with you all and all of us please
1: i know how's everybody doing out there i hope everybody's doing okay how about you ab how's this week been
0: um, I mean, it's been mostly good. I feel like at this point, everything is, it's just a roller coaster, right? If I On a day-to-day basis, I experience such extreme highs and lows that come from absolutely nothing. I could be watching a movie and... Like burst into tears over something, and then realize, like, oh, I'm not like I'm crying a little too hard right now for what I'm watching. <laughs> that those it's tears, those tears are coming from a deeper place. And then I could also be having the most incredible, you know, two-hour Zoom hangout with friends or my family, and we're laughing and we're, we're having like these great, like, brainstorming sessions of like all of the things we're gonna do and accomplish when this is over, and the things we should start focusing on. And then. I mean, it's just all over the
1: place. Well, I cut my bangs really short today. If my if my uh, salonist is listening, Jenny, I'm sorry. Uh but oh. you're gonna have some handy you're gonna have to uh clean up some of my handiwork. I just got like a wild hair up my ass and I needed to cut my bangs and they're like baby bang short but I for people don't who don't know me, I have curly hair and so the bangs are like really short. <laughs>
0: because they're curling up yeah they're
1: like an inch and a half it's pretty intense oh my God, it's
0: so cute that's so 90s know? of you isn't that what we were all doing on purpose back in the day
1: yeah yep i'm just gonna I'm lean gonna into it
0: stories. i think you should my i'm in the same boat my hair appointment to touch up my fake hair was probably meant to be last week and who the hell knows when i'm gonna get to see her and i'm a, i'm terrified to try to do it myself because i'll end up with like orange zebra stripes in my hair
1: I don't recommend it. But my sister-in-law tried to do it herself and it didn't work out. But then she had, she forgot she had, I want to say pink. She had pink and her hair looks amazing. She's blonde and she just put pink over it. It's beautiful.
0: That's so funny. So um, my sister, she has like kind of a darker kind of auburn colored hair and Mm -hmm. she added blue and it looks so fun.
1: That's a fun thing to do, guys. If you're bored and, you know, having crazy thoughts, just go ahead and dye your hair. This is the time. No one's, you know, this is when I wish that, you know, the uh, people who do, and I know, Avin, you're anti this and I totally respect that, but I want to just get all the Botox and all the things or no, actually, that's not true. I don't want the Botox. I want the peels that you look like a leper for like two weeks. That's what I want right now. So then I'll come out of it, and I'll, people will be like, "My God, quarantine looks good on you!" But really, <laughs> I've just had you know my face peeled off to my baby form.
0: Peel off all That's the what layers I of all the layers of stress that everybody's faces are now carrying around with them.
1: Exactly. You I'm know, not.
0: App- I'm not opposed to like a chemical. Well, I guess a chemical peel I don't like, but you know, yeah. like the microderma." Asian?
1: Is that a thing? Here's the thing. That. I actually don't know enough about it, but I'm interested. This Today, my son, he looked, he like tapped my lips and he goes, Mama, your lips are old. And <gasps> I said, I'm sorry, excuse me? What? Because, you know, he's just learning to talk. He literally says weird right. stuff all the time. And he's like, your lips are old. And I, I'm like, did you say my lips are old? And he goes, yeah, your lips are old. I'm like, stop saying that. <laughs> Anyways, I was like, my lips are dry right now. So... Go to your room, take a timeout. I'm just kidding.
0: You're you're grounded. Yeah. I was that's like, a oh. that's a dick thing to say though. But also that's I'm sure pro- he probably meant like you need some chapstick.
1: Yeah. Oh my god. Just- I I follow this person who I know she's wonderful. Her name's Ann Stesney. Uh and she tweeted that her <laughs> what she say? Something about Because she was questioning if she should go get a box dye during this quarantine or whatever, and her son said, "No, you should just let it go. Let it go, great, because it'll match your face." Like, (laughs) and then she said, "says the meanest person who's ever come out of my uterus." (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) Anne, I botched that, but it was very funny.
0: That is, yeah, kids, man, they're just brutal. They're just they just they they speak without thinking.
1: They do, and it's really hurtful sometimes. I'm actually—I just signed up for online therapy. I haven't had one yet, but I'm gonna—I'll report back next week.
0: Oh yeah, let me know. I've, I'm gonna be like—I've he- heard a lot about that, and I think that's so wonderful that that's something that people can do.
1: I am excited. Um, I'm gonna tell her I have, you know, two small humans, and I feel like I'm being abused. And what do I do? Yeah, they're my children. Okay. <laughs> Sorry to bore you I'm sure my daughter's going to come in again But whatever, let's get started This week we're talking about Jean Spangler Hollywood uh, I was going to say starlet but
0: Aspiring starlet Aspiring
1: starlet from the 40s
0: Yeah, um, this is such a crazy story That I did not know about I mean, there's a billion stories So obviously we don't know about all of them But yeah. I did another Google dive You know, I was like crazy romantically you know driven Driven. crimes and I get so much of the same tomfoolery we all see and then this kind of popped up because it was something about like Hollywood romantic crimes and I was like "Mm, I love it let's go there that's my fave and I thought this one was interesting although it is sad um so yeah wait what were you gonna say I was just like, that's, I mean, yeah, I guess when our whole purpose is to be like, let's tell you about the horrible demise of these humans. I know. know. There's never really anything. You know, in my
1: mind, there were going to be more bank heists, but you know what?
0: It's still interesting. (laughs) I'll find you another bank heist, I promise. (laughs) Uh,
1: So Jean Spangler was born in 1929 in Seattle, Washington, She moved to Los Angeles when she was in high school in about, I want to say 1941. Um, She started working. So people, first of all, people explained her as like a beautiful woman, tall, gorgeous. So she started modeling and um, out of high school, she was working as like a dancing uh, girl, forget what they call them, but at the Earl, Carroll, uh, the Earl Carroll Theater, something like this. Anyways, she was making money, being pretty, and dancing. Um, she was an extra in a bunch of like B-level movies, Hollywood movies, and in 1942, she meets Dexter Brenner, Benner, who is a, he's like, she's 19, he's a couple years, he's in his early 20s. He works at a plastic, plastics manufacturing company, um, and they get married. But about six months into their marriage, that he files for divorce because basically was saying that she's a party girl and she wanted, she couldn't stay home. She wanted to go out and have fun. She cheated on him when he was out at the war. It was just a bad, it was a bad situation. She wasn't ready to settle down. So they, he files for divorce. They keep banging, even though the divorce isn't final. Yep, she gets pregnant. They have a baby daughter and the judge gives custody to the husband because he explains that she's just like Always out, never home, and so having
0: extramarital affairs. So, she
1: eventually the the judge does give Jean Spangler her daughter custody of her daughter. Uh, because yeah,
0: which I think, sorry to interrupt, is just yeah, a please. testament, is like it's a testament to how much she must have loved her child because yeah. they took her, gave custody to Benner, her ex husband, and she continued to go to court to fight for years until yeah. the judge was like, Oh, okay. Okay, you can have her back.
1: Like, You know, she should be with the mom. And at this point,
0: her daughter is five years old,
1: and I will let you take it away from the oh, night. Oh, all
0: right. So, yes, as we mentioned, she finally gets custody of her daughter. She is living with her mother. Um, I think her name is Florence. Oh, no, yes, Florence. Her brother, Edward, and her sister-in-law, Sophie. And on the night of uh, Friday, October 7th, 1949, uh, Jean leaves her home in Los Angeles around 5 p.m. She had left her daughter in the care of her sister-in-law, Sophie, and told them that she was going to meet Benner, her ex-husband, to discuss um, a late child support payment that he owed her. And then that after that, she was going to work on a night shoot for a film. Because at this point, she had gotten kind of bumped up from just an extra to being like a featured showgirl in several, several movies. So she heads out hours a few hours after she leaves she even calls the house to check in tells them that she's going to have to work the full eight hour shift um but that she will be home later but she's got to work the full eight hours so that everything seems totally fine and then um i guess noteworthy is that her mom was actually out of town in kentucky visiting family so it was just sophie edward and, and Jean and christine at the house so in the morning when uh, Jean had not returned. Sophie immediately went to the police and filed a missing uh, persons report. So as the police start to kind of look into this, they tell them everything that she had told them. She was meeting Benner, Benner about the payment and then she was going to work. So they check in with um, like the Screen Extras Guild, with the studio she was supposed to be at. And there's no record from the, st- studio indicating that she was going to be working that night. In fact, they can prove that nobody was working at any at the studio she said she was going to that night at all. It was closed because the cops continue to investigate. A saleswoman from the neighborhood market where she lived says that she had seen her. She was kind of browsing her store around 6 p.m. that night, so she left at 5. She's kind of browsing around 6. And the, um, the store cashier woman Kind of says it looks like she was just waiting for somebody. And then a car did pull up. She got in and off she went. And that would be the last person ever known like to see her. The last person to come forward and say, I saw her. So it was around 6 p.m. on October 7th. Police then, after finding out that there's no way she worked in, at, on a film that night, then go question her ex-husband, Benner, who says that he has not seen his ex-wife in three weeks. And um, his new wife, Lynn Lasky-Benner, and he'd only, they'd only been married for a month, mind you. But his new wife was like, I can corroborate that. We were together and she did not come here to see us about anything. So two days later, it's October 9th, 1949. And uh, Jean's purse is found near an entrance of Griffith Park.
1: It was the Ferndale location right by that. Like Now if you go, there's, the, there's a little cafe called Trails. And, just, and there's a playground there that we play at.
0: Mm -hmm. yeah we're just picking stuff that happens right by where we live now (laughs) because it's fun and it's fascinating and you're like oh it's a good walk there um so anyway they find a purse that turns out to belong to Jean Spangler at uh Griffith Park which is actually pretty far from where she lives it's about five and a half miles from where she lived in like the Park La Brea area and both of the straps on one side of the purse had been ripped so it kind of looked like somebody had snatched her bag so that's no good. So now they're thinking, "Oh God, something happened with a, in a robbery situation that went wrong." And over sixty police officers and over a hundred volunteers searched the. And I wrote this on the four thousand one hundred and seventy acre park. Wow, it's so big. Yeah, and they find nothing else. In fact, the only thing even like mildly strange, which is not actually connected to this at all, that they find is they find a, like a prisoner's jumpsuit uniform buried in like a shallow grave but just the outfit. It's like someone broke out of jail obviously took this off switched their clothes and buried it to try to like cover their tracks but otherwise there's no trace of her so in her purse no money but sophie said that she didn't have any cash on her i don't know why sophie knows that but i don't know maybe back when you were living in close quarters and yeah. money is tight you would know like no she was not she wasn't going out She was going to work. She wasn't bringing money with her. She was going to get money from her ex-husband is what we thought. So no money in the purse. So then the police rule out the whole robbery idea. But this is where she gets totally, what? In her purse, they find a note that is um, directed, addressed to someone named Kirk. And the note read, Kirk. Can't wait any longer. Going to see Dr. Scott. It will work best this way while mother is away. The note ends in a comma. So then the police get it in their brain that maybe she was writing this note and got interrupted with whatever happened to her. But neither Kirk nor Dr. Scott could be located. And neither, like any of Jean's family or friends, knew anyone that she was acquainted with, with those names. But then when Florence, Jean's mom, came back from Kentucky, she told police that a man named Kirk had picked up Jean at her house twice but had stayed in the car and not come in so she could not tell them anything about him, what he looked like. She'd never seen him.
1: Right.
0: Police also questioned every single doctor in Los Angeles with the last name of Scott and none of them had any patients with the last name of Spangler or Benner, her um, married name. And, um, they do find out that, remember how he used an affair that she had while he was off at war as a reason to get custody? Turns out the man that she had had the affair with was a guy called Scotty. And he had been very abusive, like, and hurt her. And she had finally gotten away from him. So he was like a bad dude. but um. But as far as anyone can tell, they hadn't seen each other in like over four years. Griffith Park for like a whole week people just keep searching it and searching it and searching it and they can't find anything here's a couple of interesting things that happen though Uh, immediately upon like releasing details like the note found in her purse actor kirk douglas calls the la police and says hey just so you know i just found out that this woman who's disappeared um, was an extra in the movie that i um, we just were finished filming. I didn't know her, but I just needed you guys to know, since she wrote a letter to someone named Kirk that I didn't actually know her. And he kind of changes the story and he's like, well, I mean, I'm not saying I never met her, but we just joked and kidded around on set. I never saw her like offset. And it was like one day of filming where we had a scene that she was in with me. So we obviously spoke, but we, it was nothing beyond that. Not at all suspicious.
1: Yeah, that is just bizarre to me. Like, why would you just offer that up? I'd wait for someone to come to me and I'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about.
0: Yeah, I mean, he he like jumps in front of it. He yeah. calls them. Like, they haven't even made that connection yet. And then he kind of gives them that connection. And then um, also it's noteworthy that a lot of people deduce and then several of her friends confirmed to cops that she was three months pregnant and that right. the doctor she was talking about visiting and doing it and it being best to do it while her mom was out of town was probably uh, a doctor who would perform an abortion, which happened to be illegal at the time. So then you got lots of people wondering if um, Dr. Hodel, who was a very like prime suspect in the Black Dahlia murders that took place two years earlier, he was like a very renowned, well-known, like famous, I think, plastic surgeon but he also it was known that he performed illegal abortions and many people thought that he killed
1: elizabeth that's smart how he killed. oh yeah
0: the black doll well no that's not actually how he killed elizabeth smart but that wait uh, elizabeth
1: smart isn't that the girl who got kidnapped the mormon girl
0: yeah but i think it's actually the same name as the black dahlia yeah.
1: oh weird I,
0: I think both of them are i could just be wrong there but oh i think, I, I think that's
1: I know no I, things. I just I know. I think
0: that's right. But anyway, so then a lot of people suspected that whoever killed the Black Dahlia must have killed her, and especially those people that believed that Because they look similar too, right? Mm-hmm, and aspiring actresses, young. And um, the only thing that kind of disproved that theory is that the Black Dahlia, after the autopsy, there was no, um, no evidence to suggest that she was pregnant or had been pregnant ever. Mm-hmm. So that kind of debunked the whole, like, she was, she went to Dr. Hodel to get an abortion. And that's how we can point the finger at him. Then there was a lot of stuff, too. Remember how you were talking, how she was a party girl? A lot of people thought that she was, um, like, involved with people from the mob. Because she uh, was, like, an acquaintance of Mickey Cohen. And um, had been seen out with this guy named Davey Ogle, or Ogule. Who was an associate of Mickey Cohen's, and he actually, coincidentally or not, disappeared two days after she disappeared.
1: Oh, really? Two days after, so, and they were seen together, uh, like arm in arm, in Palm Springs, like three few days prior. Yes.
0: Yeah, so after missing. they after they both disappeared, somebody claimed to have seen them both. Um, yeah, in a hotel in I think yeah Palm Springs. That's right. So the police continue to reach out to the public to show pictures of her. To you know, garner any information, people are offering rewards left and right. There's never every, any evidence found, you know, that like she met with foul play, other than her ripped purse. But they never find any kind of body or any thing. They can't find a doctor. There was also another story going around that one of the bars she loved to go to. There was a former med student that hung out at that bar that was known to perform illegal abortions, and um, her case is still open. Seventy years later, yeah. it, it's oh, not a closed case. It's cold, but it's not closed. That's and so it's crazy. Still considered missing, not dead.
1: Um, there was also an, a witness, an, or another witness, an actor, Robert Cummings, who was in a film with her, and he gave info on who she might have, who she might have been waiting for. Um, just because, anyways, he said what they were working on a film. She walked by him and was whistling, or something like this, and. Uh-huh. And he was like, you seem like you're in a good mood. And she said, I am. I'm having a romance. And he says, is it serious? She says, no, but I'm having the time of my life. So.
0: So, yeah. So after, obviously, she's not found. Bon, you want to talk about kind of what happens with her family and her daughter afterwards? Yes. Um.
1: um let's see here. So then... Oh, there was one more. Maybe you had mentioned this, but there was also a sighting. Well, you know what it is. When they brought all, when the police brought all that information to the public, people started. I remember you saying this about something else. People started coming out of the woodwork, being like, "I saw her here. I saw her there." Someone um, at a at a bar at nine a.m. Witnesses recall her saying that. Oh, oh, okay. Sorry. Did you hear about the in a Fresno bar? At 9 a.m. in the morning, a witness recalls thinking she sees her and another guy saying that was the worst night of my life or something like that.
0: No, I don't think I came across that.
1: Also, a 13-year-old girl who knew her said she saw her in a car with an older guy, but nothing else. These are all like a bunch of like hearings. Oh, and they were saying um, the reason that, you know, they think Mickey killed the guy, the, uh, the henchman. Yes. Davy Ogle and Frank Nicoley, because they were uh, under indictment for conspiracy.
0: Is- and also, I, that is interesting, and I forgot to mention that um, Dexter Benner, Jean's ex husband's new wife, Lynn Lasky. So, Lasky, which is obviously either her, I think it's her maiden name or it's her previous married name. Okay. Great research I did today. But, <laughs> but she's connected and knows people in the mob.
1: Oh, okay. So- um, yeah. Well, who knows? Maybe there's a connection there. So, and then four months later in El Paso, U.S. Customs said they thought they saw her and the two guys, the two henchmen. That would be four months later. And her mom was like, no, like, Jean would never do that. There's no way she, A, should be hanging out with people like that, which I'm kind of like, well, mom, you don't necessarily know. But then she also was like, she would never leave her daughter. She would never leave her daughter. And I agree
0: with her mom. Yeah. She fought so hard to get her. Like if she was alive, or she was like you know just traipsing around, I just don't believe that.
1: Exactly. If she's
0: missing, she's missing against her will.
1: Then a custody battle of awfulness ensued between Jean's mom and Dexter Benner, the dad. And eventually, the dad just up and took her to Florida. There's nothing the mom could do because he was. The dad. um So that's really sad.
0: And also, I'm pretty sure that they were like never seen again by Florence Spinkler. They changed their last name. I mean, technically, the grandmother is just the grandmother, but he he basically like kidnapped his own kid from ever seeing any part of her mother's family again. Yeah. And they that relocated, happens. and it does happen. They relocated, and it's been like 70 plus years. And this case is still open. She's still considered missing. They've never declared her, you know, a lot of times after a certain amount of time, someone's declared legally dead, but the sightings kept coming in over the years. Right. Everywhere from, yeah, all the places Vanya mentioned to um, Phoenix, Arizona and Mexico City. People have claimed to see her and um, the case is not closed. So now I just want to get into the part right where we talk about the logistics and realities of what it meant to be a woman seeking an abortion in 1949. We talk about the um, oddly timed and placed in the first place phone call by Kirk Douglas.
1: Yeah. And
0: then we talk about the connection potentially to the black Dahlia. Yeah. And the fact that she was
1: for sure pregnant, like we, her friends told three months pregnant too, especially after you've had one kid, she must've been hiding that because I swear to you, second child, you just pop. Although she was only 26.
0: Right. But also like, let's go back to her note. Kirk. Exactly. Can't wait. Can't wait any longer. Going to see Dr. Scott. It will work best this way while mother is away. Like she's literally like, it's now or never, Kirk. Also three months is
1: really long, right? That would be a long time. I'm pretty
0: sure that is the, I think that is the cutoff point. Yeah, because it's three months. I think it's yeah. I think like what well, if you break it into trimesters? There's three trimesters, so right. three months means you made it through your first trimester, and once you exit three months, you're now into your second trimester.
1: Yeah, so I, I think, feel like I feel like I, they don't. When do they stop it here in the U.S.? Like when do they say you can't have it?
0: I think it's after 12 weeks. Yeah, and that's yeah. So oh, that's she's three like, months. Okay, thank you. Yeah. I'm so she's bad. At the, that. She's, she's <laughs> at the end of her her time to make this happen. And so I just think it's a fascinating thing. So we've got like the ex-husband who's got the new wife who has mob ties, right? But she's also known to chill with the mob because she's just a party girl. And Mm -hmm. she's, you know, like an, an aspiring starlet. She's a woman about town. She likes to go out and have fun. She's admittedly to some friends, not just pregnant, but having an affair. But it's not serious. It's just for fun.
1: Right.
0: And... So that to me is just an interesting thing. Cause so we know she has this really contentious relationship with her ex-husband. So even though he's remarried, she still now has custody of their daughter. And, and then there's mob it. ties. And he wants her daughter. He wants his daughter. And there's mob ties coming in on like both sides. So it's like, did she get wrapped up into something? Um, was was like a hit put out on her? Or is all of that just like bunk, you know, and none of it's actually true. And did she just die in a in illegal yeah abortion gone right. wrong, but I did a little bit of research about that, and they said that back in the day when abortion was illegal, most women who died from these illegal procedures they didn't die while having it right abortion. It was like
1: they bled out days later or something right or
0: from inf- or from like infection oh yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. like they died it was always days and days afterwards because they weren't properly like one the procedure wasn't done properly, and then two, they couldn't go to a doctor if something had gone wrong, so they would just die, but it would be like a slow, horrible, awful death. It wouldn't be like a, I was in the middle of doing this and whoopsies, there she died, so I would get rid of the body. So that seems to me like an unlikely scenario that she died in the middle of the procedure and this Dr. Scott got rid of her. I also think it's weird that they said they interviewed every single doctor in Los Angeles with the last name Scott, but I'm like, what about all the doctors whose first names were Scott?
1: Right. I did read that the mom went around to every single doctor also and nothing. So I bet you she covered her bases on first name.
0: I'm sure she did. And it's, also, yeah. I'm just going to say this. So back in, I'm just going to, I'm going to sling accusations. I am not, I don't think that Kirk Douglas killed her or anything, but I do think it's entirely possible that he might've been the Kirk who was the father of her baby. Right. She wrote that, that letter to. Because, and the reason I think that is because I think it's very suspicious that if he found out that this woman was missing and then somehow found out also that she had been an extra in his movie and was concerned mm-hmm. that they were going to like link them together so that he was like, well, let me just point all that weird coincidental stuff out to you yeah. and tell you I didn't know her. And then he changed his story and he's like, well, it's not that I didn't know her, it's just that... I only met her this one day and we were kidding around on set but until someone explained that she was the tall woman in the green dress and I'm like you're giving so many details Mr. Yeah.
1: Douglas. I don't know and also we his history I mean he popped up in Natalie Wood's story, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. So there's um a lot of people And by people, I guess, really mostly Natalie Wood's sister. But it is like a well-known fact that Natalie Wood was sexually assaulted, like violently sexually assaulted as a young actress by another famous person. And she never would publicly name that person or anything like that. Um, But her sister like came out recently, you know, within the last 10 years and said that that person was Kirk Douglas. So that's like another Hollywood mystery where his name comes up in connection with it. Oh man, we're talking such shit on someone that just died he died on february 5th of 2020 oops so like um two months ago
1: but sorry the other thing people were talking about um or a theory is that you know because she was just maybe she was just hanging out which i don't think this is it because i do think she was getting rid of you know trying to have an abortion or something like that but was that she was hanging out with those mob guys and they were already going to be hit you know, and so and this, she was in the crossfire. And she was with them.
0: And you want to know why I will actually go with you on that is because that note was still in her purse, right? So if the person right. who had anything to do with like that note had been trying to kill her because of that note, that note <laughs> wouldn't have been in the purse. And the note wasn't finished yet, so it's like she had started writing it out and then maybe stopped. The police's theory was she was interrupted violently, but maybe she was just like, "What do I say next, comma?" Um, I'll get back to it in a little bit. I'm going to finish right. the note later. And then, yeah, like what if something happened to her, her purse got like ripped off and thrown on the ground. And then this whole other yeah. angle that just kind of like a stroke of luck.
1: From- oh, there's one more, a sighting that is probably who the hell knows, maybe BS, but it was that morning at 7am, a gas station attendant. Let me think they're in a convertible. It's one other guy for some reason they offer that she offers the knowledge, this woman who he thinks is Jean Spengler offers the knowledge that they're driving to Fresno this morning. And then as the car takes off, she says, have the police follow this car, yells it. And he thought that was weird, but it was, it was almost like a joke. Was it a joke? Was it what? Right. That was just another one of those, but it's almost like, which, cause nowadays they don't, the police and detectives don't give too much information to the public yet anymore.
0: They hold it stuff back. Yeah. So that they have things that they know that only then someone who was there would also know. Like I'm still
1: waiting to find out about Lori Vallow. Because I think something came out with the, it was deemed a murder. The sorry, Lori Vallow's husband, new husband's deceased wife. It was foul play. And so now she's being brought up with charges of, of that.
0: She's the she's the number one suspect and being charged with the, the murder of Chad Daybello or Day. Yeah. Daybello. Daybell. Yeah. Daybello. Lori Vallow and Chad Daybello. Different story, <laughs> but also one that we will be coming back to because I feel like finally I'm starting to see snippets of different news that are not just um, COVID-19 related. Yeah. Yep. And that story is one that we will be following closely. But this one just really captured my imagination. And Vanya, I'm just going to mm-hmm. go ahead and say Same. that all of the theories that I had been, I was like, oh, it was talked to, totally like Dr. Hodel or Kirk Douglas was like, we got to get rid of this chick because I'm about to be real famous. But I think you might be right. If she was friendly and like went out with and socialized with people in like mobs and those two guys were about to testify, which is true of the um, Ogle guy uh-huh. that people say they saw her with. and he disappeared at the exact same time she did that it seems more likely that while her being pregnant, possibly even with Kirk Douglas's baby and wanting to get an abortion might actually have nothing to do with what happened to her,
1: Possibility,
0: but that, that her life was just, you know, there was so much drama going on there that when they found what evidence they could find, which was just a note in her purse yeah, and a mm-hmm. weird phone call from an actor, you know, it's like part of me feels mm-hmm. like maybe he did know that he was, having an affair with this lady and that there had been a letter with Kirk, but he was like, but I, I honestly had nothing to do with this. I have no idea what happened to her. That's why I just want to get out in front of it. And then it was just true. a mob hit.
1: If, if he had hit, um, you know, if he had scheduled a killing of her because she was pregnant with his baby, you would think he'd be like, look at her purse. But I have a feeling that it's- Take her
0: purse. Yeah,
1: take her purse. I have a feeling that nothing happened in Griffith Park. I think it was just thrown there. I think something happened way somewhere else. That's my- I agree.
0: I agree. Because I feel like it's such a huge park, but it was just tossed right in the entrance. So it's almost like somebody kind of drove by and threw it out their car, you know, and they were like, now they'll search this whole huge park and they won't find anything if they find this bag
1: hmm Absolutely. Yeah.
0: But I just think it's a fascinating story. Um, if anybody out there has ever um, attempted to figure this out. Yeah, let us know. Totally hit us up. Because I would love to know your theories. Because, Vanya, as we're recording this, I feel like you just gave me a new... Like, it's something that never occurred to Yay. me.
1: Yay. Oh, good. Yeah, because also the mob knew how to completely get rid of stuff. and
0: Absolutely.
1: Be, like, the you know...
0: And even the sightings could be like a ruse, you know? It's like the mom paying people off to like report seeing her in places. Right. To keep them looking for her.
1: And the mom always knew though. The mom always knew. They're like, no, she's my daughter.
0: Yeah.
1: So sad. Guys, thank you.
0: Gene Spangler. Do you want to do two yucks and a, or two yucks, two yays and a yuck as a close? Yes. Let's
1: do two yays and a yuck.
0: Yeah. You want to start it? Fun. Yeah. Sure. Okay. So last week I mentioned that one of my yays was that my um, unemployment finally kicked in. So this week, just sticking with, you know, plain old good fashioned money. I got my stimulus check in the mail.
1: Oh, good.
0: So I feel like finally all of that. And I know this is a story that's going around, the, like, the not just our country, but like the world, you know, as people struggling and and knowing that like, there's supposed to be this help from these government agencies coming. And Uh um, I feel so incredibly grateful that even though it it did take a lot, what are we in, you said week nine, eight or nine? Yeah, it's eight or nine. This all just happened for me in the last two weeks. So it was a long, scary wait, but it came through and it does in fact take a, a huge pressure and weight off my shoulders. So that's my first yay. Yay! My second yay is that my mother-in-law, as I might have mentioned already on a previous podcast, and this is huge care package with stuff to bake, but she also sent us all of these books. And I, over the past, I don't know, week, I have just been tearing through these novels and they really like take me out of my headspace. I've been sleeping better. I notice that I just, I don't sit around and watch the news and feel like a bunch of anxiety. I've been just getting lost in these wonderful, you know, sometimes like thrillers, sometimes, you know, more serious, but these just wonderful novels. And so I, I feel like I've been given this gift that I already knew I loved. I love reading. I always have, but Mm -hmm. I just, I hadn't been doing that as a way to pass time to like use my brain, let my mind get creative. And it's been awesome. Yay. So, yeah. And then I'm trying to think of my yuck, uh, It's been like hot as balls and uh, I can't quite figure out how to make without like fully using the air conditioner. And it doesn't feel hot enough for that yet. Right. We discovered that our brand new apartment, it just really just holds the heat, cradles it in its lovely arms and mothers you in it. So I've just been sweating. I mean, I hate taking showers. So that's a fun fact about me, guys. Yeah.
1: I mean, I'm with you. I don't but know. But
0: <laughs> I, I have to shower like every day because I'm sweating profusely just sitting in my house not doing anything.
1: It's because you have curly hair like me. That's the hard thing. That's why I don't like taking showers because if I, – well, I mean, you can always shower, obviously, without which I do, without washing my hair. But like washing my hair is a whole – Extravaganza,
0: and then if you don't wash your hair, but you get in the shower, then you got to deal with like the humidity and moisture that you just allowed into exactly. your curly locks. It lock. messes
1: you up, It messes your life it's up. It's just
0: annoying. I love a shower once I'm in it, but the idea of taking one—that's yeah. my biggest yuck. <laughs>
1: it's hard. I'm with you. Um, okay, so my two yays. Let's see. A yay would be that we we found a spot. We moved our. We have an outdoor table, and we moved it to an area where we can have dinner out there. And that is the first yay. So I'm like, yay. But the second yay is that my son, who's the filthiest eater, and actually my daughter too, normally after they eat, it's like I have to sweep, mop, vacuum, everything. Mm-hmm. They, I could just like let the animals come and get it. I'm kidding, or or whatever, or just sweep it very easily or put the hose. And it's been great eating outside because the weather has been nice. And so that's... It's good. It definitely brings the spirits up when the weather is nice here.
0: Yeah. But
1: yuck. This is, I feel like an asshole. It is an asshole thing because I'm happy for people, but about 900 feet away from my house, they're building a, uh, um, I thought it was a greenhouse, but apparently it's a, like a it can house a hundred homeless people. It's like a homeless shelter. Um, Which is well, like much needed. They're they're everywhere. I mean, you know, they're all around down by the river and stuff like that. It's very dangerous, very unsanitary for them in there, wherever they are. So this is supposed to be super sanitary for them, and they'll be able to get mental health there. But the thing that is terrifying, I just I took a walk. It's just terrifying because you know, of course, everyone is comes in different shapes and sizes and and backgrounds. Who are homeless, but there definitely is crime because there's drugs sometimes and across the street in the parking lot of the park is about 100 RVs parked, which is also meant to give relief and help to homeless people. And I'm assuming families, too, and I hope that's true. And it just is like on top of the feeling of it's it's I feel bad that I feel this way, but being really, really honest, you know. I am, it makes me more nervous. My yuck is that beyond, oh, not that I want to give two yucks, but I'm still, I still don't have a fridge. I'm on week two here. So it's just like adding to just stress this being home, being stuck at home, no fridge and just like then an extra. Yeah. Yeah. The level of like maybe unsafe, which is probably not true.
0: true, but it freaks me out. It sucks. Yeah, no it's not fun to feel it's not fun to feel unsafe. And so that's totally fair to feel that way. But you should you should do some more research and look into it and try to find yourself, you know, try to find out all the information you can so that you can
1: yeah.
0: Maybe that'll ease ease your mind. You know, if you can like learn exactly like what it's being used for, who's going to be staying there and all that yeah. stuff.
1: I think it's a 90-day thing where the people can be there for 90 days. Um I was talking to a friend who lives in Seattle who also she, uh, near where she lives, they've built some housing like that. And she's like, it's, they're fine. They're actually good neighbors. Um, it's the, it's the RVs that set up around the shelters that are never great. But I was like, right. oh, okay. Well, right. listen, well I've li- I've lived in cities. We've lived in, in major, the most major cities of the United States I have for the last 15, 20 years. So, yeah. It's fine. It's just an extra level of, Oh,
0: I will sh- say, I just, I just moved out of downtown Los Angeles, you mm-hmm. know, in March. Yeah. And while it certainly caused me a, a great deal of stress, which was mostly related to being um, upset and saddened by what I saw, not threatened mm-hmm. by it, but mm-hmm. just kind of completely gobsmacked that it's possible for all of these horrible things to be happening out in the open without anybody doing anything to help these people or even just stop them from doing the things they're doing that are clearly illegal and bad for them
1: right um
0: but it does it's not so much fear-based stress as it is like as an empathetic compassionate person when you witness somebody who's been so far left behind
1: yeah
0: um and and through no fault of their own or through whatever circumstances led them there. You know, you never know how anyone gets anywhere, but when you right. see society abandon someone and it's like in your face like that, I lived in that environment for a year and it did a, it did a, a big number on my psyche. I wasn't so much afraid as I was horrified.
1: Yeah. And we're the supposedly one of the richest countries in the world. So we definitely, Hey, listen, after this whole thing, this whole, uh, At home, we are realizing there's a lot of things that need to improve and change.
0: Yes, and also on that note, thank you for saying those words. If you guys haven't yet, go to YouTube and type in The Realization, like by Tom Foolery, I think it is. And it's, it's, it was, I watched it today. It was exactly what I needed. And it's about why this moment in time, this pandemic that feels like it's taken so much from us, is actually the greatest gift we could have ever been given.
1: I really recommend after
0: this. Yeah. I texted it to you, Vaughn, so you already Great. have it on your phone. Yes. Thank right. you. We love you guys.
1: Thank you so much for listening.
0: We'll, we'll be back you. next week. We got a listener recommendation for our next one. We're so excited. Oh, it's going to be good. It's going to be so good. Mm-hmm.